Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast, the uh, preview for the Garnet and Gold Spring Game Edition episode thingy. Hi, Chris. Hi, Brendan. We're both in stellar moods right now. We are in the bowels of Doe Campbell Stadium, and uh, and yeah, we're here to do a little bit of uh, previewing the spring game. Chris and I are going to go for about 10, 15 minutes just talking about what we're looking for, looking to see how we're going to cover the spring game on Saturday. It's going to be 4 p.m. at Doe Campbell Stadium. If you're not in town, you can watch it on the ACC Digital Network Extra. I don't know how to get there, but we'll, we'll link to it later for, for those who want to see it. I'll put up a how to watch later today. And then, uh, oh, good one. And then uh, and then we'll bring in Josh Newberg to talk about recruiting. Chris and Josh will riff on that because it's going to be a, a, a the third and final junior day of the spring. It'll be a pretty big turnout is what we're expecting. So uh, before we get into the preview section of, of the spring game, real quick, uh, housekeeping that the audio is going to sound a little different today than it has been the last few weeks because we're recording with the old microphone again we're in the bowels of doke uh, chris and i are, are chilling next to each other here as recording the podcast like old times this is an old school uh, version but this is the easiest way for us to record so bear with us there it's not quite as crisp as it has been lately but uh my voice being muffled probably isn't a bad thing at all so uh the one other thing that we're gonna kind of implement here guys or ask for you guys to, to be a part of is We've been challenged by the national office to maybe change our podcast name. Uh, apparently, Knowles 24-7 podcast isn't really original, but I, I think it is fitting with just kind of how lazy the, this podcast can can be sometimes. So what we're going to do is ask if you guys want to come up with names and pitch them to us. We'll start a thread on the message board. Uh, if we like one of the names enough to change it, uh, we'll give whoever came up with it first a, a month's subscription uh, if it is something that we ultimately choose to do. Again, I kind of like the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I think it's on brand, but I'm open to uh, to being a little bit more creative. So anyways, let's talk about the spring game, Chris. We've covered uh, pretty much all the storylines, so it's going to be rehashing some, but I came up with a list of five things that I'm looking for. I want to kind of see how that compares to maybe some of the things that you've thought of. But, but number one on my list, does James Blackman command the offense? How does he command the offense? I think that's going to be the biggest storyline and the thing that probably most people are going to be looking for on Saturday. Yeah, my first one would be dealing with Blackman, not necessarily the same viewpoint on it, but more so just this is Blackman's team. How does he handle that? And do we see the positive growth of if it goes bad, does he bounce back and rebound along with the offense, which is something that Willie Taggart's pushed this spring. But because our viewability of practice has been limited, we have to take him at his word. We haven't actually seen that. So I'm interested to see if that occurs on Saturday. We, we have heard that consistently that that's something that James has been doing. Again, that's without us seeing with our own two eyes, and that's his ability to, to rebound. Uh, I will say that we saw a little bit of that in the first couple practices of spring that were open. Like there were signs of if he had a bad throw or a couple bad throws, it didn't turn into the wheels completely falling off. So yeah, seeing how James Blackman commands the offense, how guys respond to him, how he does when things don't go well for him. Those are all storylines regarding quarterback one that, that we're interested in. Uh, you want my second one? Yeah, so let's don't, bounce don't back spoil. and forth. Yeah. My second one would be Cam Akers and LeBorn. Okay. One, how healthy is number four? Secondly, Akers, is he a little leaner, a little meaner? Is it different? Are we going to see something a little different from him than last year when we saw a lot of frustration, a lot of squandered opportunities mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't on my list I didn't have the running backs because I kind of feel like I know what we're going to see from them but uh, if I can add to that Chris Anthony Grant um, don't don't sleep on Anthony Grant I think and I know you're not but I know some people uh, when you talk about the running backs they think about those two first and, and rightfully so they came in much more highly acclaimed and, and probably have more upside but 
I'm curious to see what Anthony Grant does with 10 or 12 touches yeah. in, in the context of a scrimmage because I think he's someone who can get going and, and maybe be a difference maker. He's a guy I think we I can speak for both of us was disappointed we didn't see him used more last year Correct. because he was consistently good in practice and he had explosive ability in the running game obviously last year. Never took flight. And good on special teams, too. Like, he showed well there. Anytime yeah. he had an opportunity to do something, he, he impressed, which to me I think is significant. All right, number two for me was do the quarterback two step up, do the do the backups. Is that Nolan McDonald, Jordan Travis? We heard that the scrimmage on Saturday was rough for both of them. Um, probably makes sense why we're looking at FSU bringing in uh, uh, Alex Hornerbrook and – uh, yeah, I think that makes sense, but I think we want to see them with our own two eyes, see what kind of – like. I'll put it this way. Jordan Travis, that first two practices that we saw, didn't look like you could use him. Willie Taggart has said that Jordan has gotten better and more comfortable throughout the spring. I think he said that at his call-in show or talk shows, no more calls anymore. After the Jimbo thing, they stopped taking live questions. And five and seven. Yeah, no, that didn't help either. Well, they weren't taking questions last year too live. Um, but anyways, he's kind of hinted that Jordan Travis has – done a little little better uh i want to see that with my own two eyes and see what a little better means he was running with the twos yesterday when we were at practice whatever that means take take that as you will i have no hope for the second string quarterback so like i'm you know maybe they surprise but i'm going in the game expecting little to nothing from him i know nolan mcdonald's athletic but if he was a really good throwing quarterback he wouldn't be at fsu so good times i i agree and i uh i think this would be more confirmation for what we already think we get to see a confirmational bias there's no bias on this podcast. Okay. All right. You're, you're two? Well, my next one is what, you know. Or was it your three? I this would be my three okay. at this point, but it's O-line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not expecting Randy Clements to work miracles, but are they any better? And, you know, do the offensive tackles decide they like to put their hands on the opposition? Yeah, I, I want to see that. I want to see, can they get a push? Can they do some things? Can they give the offense a chance to put to plays together consecutively? Can they give them a chance to put drives together consecutively? Is it any bit of a departure from what we saw last year? I don't have much hope for the offensive line. It's still a lot of the same personnel, and I'm not of the opinion that a lot of those guys were going to get much better and be better than what we saw last year. But can they find five that can help them get a push? Now, when you divide rosters as they did for this game, it kind of takes away the ability to truly see your best five fitting five fingers in a glove. But, you know, I'd be happy if we saw some good center guard work together or guard tackle work together. I'm just looking for any semblance of hope with that group that they're going to be able to allow this offense to take any steps forward this coming season. My number three was how does a disjointed offensive line look? That same same thing. I don't think there's anything to add there. Uh, it's it's going to be tough to judge them. You're just looking for minimal improvement. You're looking for one or two guys that look like they can consistently hold their own. Is Bavion Johnson getting the snaps cleanly, and, and is he – Taking charge, like we've heard, is Dante Luke is worth his, you know, worth what we've we've heard about him so far. Th- those are some of the more minor things. It's going to be really tough, I think, to judge the offensive line. I'm with you. I don't expect huge strides. You're just looking for some semblance of, of confidence right now. Yeah. Um, number I, four. Well, I'm with you on Dante Lucas. I'm, I am. He's. I think he's playing with a bit of a hurt ankle these days. We've noticed he's very heavily taped. I think on his what right ankle. I think yeah. The ankle. last last few days. So I don't know if he'll be quite his normal self, but I think he's a guy that's had a good spring and is a bright spot for the future. All right. I'm losing count here, and I know You're on four. <laughs> I'm on four. We're, we're equaled up here. Uh, all right. Well, so my four is, uh, is this Asante Samuels defense? Because I've heard that he has – and I know that that's kind of a rogue one, but he has apparently – we saw this in the first open practices. 
He was just talking some mad trash and backing it up too, which so I think you, is the important you, part. You wonder if he's going from dog to full blown pit bull to alpha dog. Like, and and I've heard that he's had a really really good spring. I've heard that he's been the best defensive back so far, and that's a pretty. There, there's some good defensive backs on the roster. I've heard this has kind of been his thing. He'll be matched up against Tamari and Terry. I believe. I think they're on opposite teams, so I'm sure you'll see those two go at it a couple times too. I'm looking forward to see uh, what he brings in terms of, of leadership and, and that being his defense because I think he's making strides towards that this spring. I put no thought into the secondary. I am a little interested in some of the new looks with it, with Lamonte playing nickel and stuff like that, but the secondary wasn't one of my main five. My fourth one was 3-4. Yeah, that makes sense. How much are we going to see this? Is this a full-blown departure from what they used to do to a new package? Or is this like the Prowler where we're going to see it 15% of the time in games? How much are we going to truly see this? How is it going to be done? And how much does it benefit some of the personnel they have? You know, improvements at linebacker kind of fall into that. I want to see Jaleel McCray out there. He's a guy that's had a great spring. He's also in a bright spot for the future at a position where they need to upgrade the talent. And then on the defensive line, I want to see how that interior group does. Marvin, is he King Marvin? Is he the super dominant being he needs to be that he's capable of being? And does he do it rep to rep to rep to rep from beginning to end? Is it a consistent effort? Because the thing with Marvin in the past is Marvin would bring it early sometimes and then would kind of fall off, which is completely normal for a large body defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. But in Marvin's case, he needs to be the same at the end of the day as he is at the beginning of the day. And I want to see Dennis Briggs, Corey Darden. Kando, you know, I want to see some of those guys that we know have potential to contribute at a high level kind of start showing the signs of doing it and doing it consistently. Well, I remember last year and Marv was starting to kind of turn the corner midway through the season. He was still a reserve, but he was playing more and more and, I, and was giving some really good reps. And I remember someone, uh, one of my friends asked me, you know, I said, I want to see him take the next step to be dominant. And he was like, well, what does that mean? Do you remember Gerald Willis against Miami? Or Miami against Florida State? And then yeah. Gerald Willis, and he just took over a game. That's the next step for Marv. Yeah. Dis- to not dis- have- disrupt a whole series in a row right. and then come back out and do it again. Yep, yep, do that consistently. Uh, let's deviate really quick because I love to go off script. You mentioned the 3-4. That was something that was written about a lot in the last week or so. We started noticing signs of it about a week ago, and now guys are putting – you know, quotes to it and stuff. Uh, Leonard Warner being a, a name, someone who said, I'm playing defensive end now. You want to die in that semantics battle? Yeah, I do. do. It? It's just a silly semantics <laughs> battle, but I love to do that. So, um, I mean, defensive end, he's going to be playing outside linebacker, defensive end, edge defender. Here's the thing. If Leonard Warner is a DN, then we're also calling Josh Brown and Adonis Thomas defense, DNs because yeah. they're all doing the same thing in practice. I'm not ready to call those uh, two well, DNs. Now, I think Leonard is a little more built to handle yeah. some of the defensive end ideology of putting hand in dirt, coming off, doing things like that. But at the end of the day, it's a 3-4. He's an outside linebacker. You can call it a jack. You can call it a buck. You can call it an outside linebacker. You can call it a DN. Whatever the hell you want to call it, it's the same damn thing. Edge defender. Yeah. Edge defender. Pressure pressure when you need to pressure, sustain when you need to hold, and be able to flip and go when you have to go. Yeah, you have to You're do doing things at three different levels. And it's funny because that's what Josh Brown and Adonis Thomas were recruited for, to kind of play that role. And so it's almost been kind of this uh, – not backtrack. I don't know if that's – but but – they're pivoting to what they used to do to somewhat scheme-wise. I do think that's really interesting is, is we saw some elements of the three-man front and a rush-end linebacker kind of deal at the beginning of spring, and it's kind of grown more. How much is that going to be what they're doing? I, I don't know. I still think this is very much so experimental this spring to to see how to implement it. But but to me, Chris, I think the main takeaway with that is this is their way of coping without Brian Burns, of knowing they don't have yeah. a surefire nine 12 sack guys somewhere in that range that could take over a game off the edge 
this forces you to get more creative and, and enables you to do so when you can have defensive tackles apply more pressure from inside. You can stunt more. You can have edge rushers, and you can have linebackers blitzing. I think that's what, what this is a reaction to. I think it's utilizing your personnel at the best level that you can. Sure. You've got some guys you're trying to play as middle backers who aren't middle backers who can give you more pressure off the edge. You've got you know a couple big body interior linemen who can also play that edge in a three four front. Corey Durden comes to mind. Marv can get away with it, you know. He's more of a true interior guy. Obviously, Coop is a line him up over the top of the center kind of guy. Um, and then I think it's you know to take away some of your deficiencies, which you're going to see with Brian Burns' departure, that you don't have a truly elite defensive end, so you can't play one side off of the other like you were able to last year, mm-hmm. where Burns kind of can help you hide that you're you have shortcomings the opposite end. So I think this is a little more get creative, a little more exotic, which is such a cliche word that we love to use on, but people use exotic blitzes, exotic looks. In reality, it's not all that exotic. It's just people moving different directions and standing up and moving around. It's not, you know, we're not recreating a wheel here. It's it's still a 3-4 defense, beer front, 4-3. You know, you're going to mix it up with the different looks you can do with the personnel you have on the field. Yeah, it's more about trying to be less... um Predictable. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Good job. Uh, number five. Do you, was that your you, you go first. I'm, I'll let you go first here. I'm thinking yours is probably about a position. Mine's not. So that's why I'm going to let you go Kind first. of. Uh, and we've already touched on a little bit of it, but it's freshmen. Do they make an impact? And there's only a handful of newcomers this spring, but the ones who we've discussed are guys that are supposed to be the quote-unquote culture changers. Yeah, Dante Lucas, Julio yeah. McCray. And Akeem Dent. Yeah. Uh, and those are guys that... I think I think we could lump Raymond Woody in there, not sure. to the same level of those three, right. but if they had to run him out there, I think they're comfortable running I mean, out I'm there. I'm interested to see how he looks, too. I mean, he's someone that has good athleticism and some versatility and could do different things on the back end of the defense. But I want to see just... I think we'll get an idea on Saturday what kind of impact those guys can make as freshmen. Um, how do they hold up in a game-like environment? How do they do with you know thousands of fans in the stands? I didn't want to say tens of thousands because I don't know yet. Mm. But uh, I am interested to see because we've heard really good things about Julian McRae. We've heard that Dante Lucas is all about football. Like Anyone you ask, they'd say he, he loves football. Uh, Akeem Dent, I know, passed the eye test really early on in camp. I've heard he's had some ups and downs, but he's someone who's willing to be aggressive and be feisty and, and has the range and athleticism to play at a fairly high level at, in, in the college level. So I'm interested to see all three of those guys and Raymond Woody as well uh, because I think we'll get a good idea whether what, what their baseline is and how they can maybe contribute this season. I think all three of those main guys are going to contribute at some form or fashion or another Maybe even a few of them start by the end of the season. This may come off as a weird observation with Dante Lucas, but even when we're out there waiting to interview players and we're not getting access or when we're out there and they're leaving the field, at no point in the 13 practices leading up to this point have I looked at him and thought, man, that kid looks like his head is spinning. No, he's come to work every day. I think that's one thing I've noticed. He comes out there and Usually he's, he's quite engaged. jolly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's engaged. He's not slugging to come, oh, yeah. man, I have to come to practice. Yeah, the offensive line will get there. Usually they're the first group to get there like a minute or two beforehand. and Because you're getting the crap beat out of you every yeah, day. Yeah, and he's ready to do it. I, I've I observed something similar, Chris. I, I don't know how much stock to put into that, but I think it's a good thing. Akeem's Akeem. I mean, Akeem's got a – him and his brother both have personality out of Wazoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, with him, it's not a matter, oh, he, he looks super – yeah, he looks engaged. He's having yeah. fun every moment he's out there. But Dante plays a position that's a little more of a challenging your man power, challenging your will. Yeah. And he handles that very well, in my opinion. The guy who I don't expect much out of from that new group is Jay Williams. I just don't think yeah. he is ready 
for Showtime. It doesn't it doesn't appear that way. Um, and then don't forget, True Thompson's also there, but he was both. Yeah, but he's coming off a shoulder. Yeah, been limited. So I don't know how much we can yeah. expect from True right now. Um, and let's be honest, True is Coop's backup type of guy. He's yeah. that interior, get a push. But if they are doing the three four stuff, uh, you do need to find another nose tackle yeah. because Coop's not going to be able to play every single snap. And that makes True, um, and that plays to something that he does very well, which yeah. is no. take on a block. So, so yeah, yeah. I, uh, but I, ben, I don't bench know. Bench a guy across from you. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if uh, I don't know what we can expect from from him on Saturday. My fifth was more big picture. Mm-hmm. I want to see if this program and team looks like it's organized and has a rudder back on the ship. Sure. I referred to them as a rudderless program after Notre Dame last year. They looked like they had no clue which direction they were going, what they were trying to accomplish, what they were trying to be. I don't know be. what rudderless means. And, I read that and I didn't. I just, it sounded good. You're just going in circles. Uh, you got no direction. What's a rudder? <laughs> Gee, I'm not. I'm not getting into <laughs> shipping terms with you. But uh, I'm interested to see basically if they look like they have a clue. Yeah. Like, is there a direction? Is there a purpose? Is there a – are we doing stupid things before the snap? Mm-hmm. Are we getting the right personnel out there? Are they lining up correctly? Are they getting on and off the field efficiently? Are they getting plays in and calling them correctly? Is the communication within the huddle sufficient, efficient? Is the coaching staff look like they're all on the same page and working together for the same purpose and that they, you know, are on the same level of communication? Yeah. Those are the kind of big picture things I want to see. And it's a spring game. It's relaxed. It's the end of spring. At the end of the day, it's a glorified practice. So I know I'm probably putting a little too much bank in what I want to see from that. But at the same time, they look like a joke so often last year that I don't think it takes much in a relaxed setting for them to look improved in that regard. I want to see that it looks improved. I want to see that... Willie is comfortable handling some micromanaging moments. I'm going to see that Kendall Browse and Randy Clements are certainly on the same page offensively and that it's in sync with guys like Dugans and Lockett and Pimpleton. I want to see that the defense understands what they're all trying to accomplish as a whole with Woody, Snyder, Odell, and Harlan, obviously, kind of all being on the same page. I want to see just that basic stuff. I want to see the players... You know, have fun. They're going to have fun. They're going to put on a show. It's the first time they've played in front of other people in, you know, two months and of doing this practice setting. And they're going to have their fun. But at the same time, I want to see the players kind of, you know, take it seriously to some degree. And that be because the people above them are forcing them to take it seriously to some degree. Uh, I agree. I think that's well put. Uh, to kind of piggyback off that a little bit, uh, I think the offense specifically – when you're looking talking about organization and, and functionality and having one common goal, uh, I'm really interested to see how the offense maneuvers under Kendall Bryles. Uh, we've heard that it's been more succinct this spring. Uh, there was visible evidence of it during Wednesday's practice where they ran like installation stuff, but it was just the skill players and the quarterback. Uh, but they would run a play every 15 seconds, move five, 10 yards down the field, boom, 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 get the play in, get it quickly. Uh, and it looks so much more succinct. Again, there was no offensive line. There was no defense. So take it No bullets one. Yeah. How do you think the offense looks Saturday? I think it's going to look more organized. You're not going to have as many guys lining up incorrectly. I think they'll when they get going, they'll get going. But I also think you're going to see some pitfalls too. I think you're going to see some several sequences where the offense can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, because I, there's still there's still deficiencies that you're not going to fix overnight. But what you are going to look for is can you actually have a sustained drive for two, yeah. and are you not shooting yourself in the foot? 
that would be growth. That would I, be progress. I don't think they're going to be real good at throwing a jab. I think they could be decent at throwing a haymaker here and there and which, pulling it off. Which they could do sometimes last year. It's about the only thing they could do. I would like to see it sprinkled in. I think that would be growth if you can sprinkle in uh, a few big plays in one drive and then punch it in from, yeah. from be efficient inside the red zone. That kind of stuff I think is going to be how you measure progress this year. Yeah, I think we got to start by measuring it in a short increment, and that first increment is does it go forward instead of backwards? Mm-hmm. All right. Do they stay in front of the chains? All right, so I, I think that's a good stopping point for what we're looking for. We'll come back next week and do a full re- rehash or recap or whatever of the spring. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break with our sponsors. When we come back, Josh Newberg will join us, and Chris and Josh will talk recruiting, which I think is what most of you want to hear anyways. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, welcome back. This is part two of the spring preview garnet and gold edition episode thingy. Josh Newberg joining us now. We're going to talk a little bit of recruiting. Well, Chris and Josh are going to talk recruiting. I'm just going to sit back and, and enjoy the show. So guys, take Sip it away. Sip your latte. It's, it's, a, it's water. All right. So Saturday marks the third and final junior day for Florida State during the spring. It also is obviously the Garnet and Gold game. Florida State's going to welcome more than four dozen. Right now, I think our list sits about 54 prospects that we truly care about. It's obviously a huge weekend. You're trying to put kind of a bow on it. You've had a lot of guys roll in here from the beginning of spring to the end of spring. At this point, you're trying to close some of those recruitments down while also getting others on campus for the first time and getting more interest from them. Um, obviously a lot of big names, mostly we focused on 2020. There's about 10, 12, 2021 kids we care about. And then Brandon Ennis, who's a really talented 2023 wide receiver that FSU has some familiarity with already is also expected in. So Josh out of 2020 group, who is probably the headliner to you, the guy that we should care the most about. 
Well, of course, Jeff Sims is the guy that we all care the most about. Um, Sim, just having Sims on campus, as we've said, is uh, is going to be great for recruiting. Um, he's solidly committed. So beyond him, the the names that I'm really focused on are on offense. I think last year with FSU not really signing a strong offensive skill class, I think that's really where they need to uh, stock up this year, this cycle. Uh, running back Jalen Knighton is expected to be on campus. I'm excited to see him back there. Um, the former Oklahoma commitment has kind of been leaning toward Clemson, but right now it looks like FSU getting him on campus. It's a good thing. Um, he's choosing to come to the FSU spring game over the Clemson one. Um, this is FSU's chance to make a move. I also like at wide receiver two names that I'm kind of excited to see Malachi Weidman a name out of the Sarasota area and a guy that we talked about on the last podcast, Arian Smith. Um, Arian Smith is a, at Mulberry in Polk County and not a lot of, not a lot of talent comes out of that school out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I got to see Arian Smith over the weekend at the Adidas national championships. And he is a heck of an athlete. Um, 10, three, 10, 400 meter speed in track. And he has a six foot one frame. So he's a dynamic playmaker. Um, sticking with the offensive theme, we just confirmed on Knowles 24 seven. I put this on the front page just now, but Isaiah Walker, um, the South Carolina offensive tackle commitment, four-star player out of Miami, Norland, he'll be on campus. Uh, Zach helped confirm that one. And also Tate Johnson, um, another offensive lineman from South Georgia, he'll be in and, you know, he might be one that we have on commit watch, uh, on the, on the defensive side of the ball, the name that sticks out the most is, is uh, McKinley Jackson. You know, the big four-star d- defensive tackle from Mississippi. He's been to FSU's campus numerous times, already once in the spring for FSU's first junior day. Um, and he'll be back. Great relationship with Odell Hagens. And we've talked at length about how FSU really needs to stock back up on the, uh, on the defensive line. Um, another, another big con- confirmation that occurred this morning was Gervon Dexter four-star defensive lineman committed to UF and then uh, former Florida defensive end commitment. Josh Griffiths will also be in, in Tallahassee. And he's one that, you know, FSU's put a lot of work in. This one almost reminds me a little bit of the Zane Herring recruitment, right? Like he's been leaning, 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 and maybe this is the time when he commits. So um, it's going to be an action packed weekend. And the list on Knowles 24 seven is, is almost finalized, but I think we'll have a few more uh, names added to it before it's over. Yeah, I agree with much of what Josh said. Uh, Zane Herring's another guy I expected in. He's kind of in the same boat as Sims, where he's an excellent recruiter. Mm-hmm. Another offensive guy who's actually a really good athlete, could play on either side of the ball, is Keziah Holmes from Coco. Really talented kid, got some FSU ties in the family, coming back in for another visit. He's a guy that I'm pretty excited to see back up here. I think he's very talented. I echo Josh's comments on Arian Smith. He's an immensely talented young man. FSU was on him way early. I think they offered him either the first day or the second day got an offer. Them and UNC, the old UNC staff. And, he, were, and he's were listed right as together. a corner. He's yeah. listed as a corner. But um, with Team Tampa, he didn't play any defense. I'm assuming he wanted to play offense. He looked very natural on offense. Um, I, 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 I see him as a wide receiver, maybe only because I watched him for two days, but I'm pretty sure that's what FSU is going to pursue him as. Right. I think in this offense, he definitely would play off or I'm sorry, wide receiver for them. I think he fits kind of that inside slot running back receiver that browse likes to utilize in his offense. If you watch Arian Smith's highlight film, he he's a kid that kind of jumps out at you. 
Um, another highlight to me on the list is that FSU is getting commitments from several other schools and Richie Leonard, a kid that they're kind of working real hard on making the flip. He's a Kentucky commitment. Brian Robson, talented receiver, Miami commitment. Um, Javier Morton, we'll see if he makes it in. Really, really talented Alabama commitment defensive back. He's a kid FSU's been working pretty hard on getting in. Dexter, who Josh mentioned, is also a UF commit. Morgan Joseph, another UF commit. And then the 2021 duo of Trevante Rucker and Bryce Langston, who Josh is very much looking forward to interviewing again. Are both- <laughs> no, Bryce Langston. <laughs> Not um, Mike Langston. I'd actually rather interview Mike Langston than Bryce Langston. Um, they're yeah, they're both was- Florida commits. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Trevante is a little bit more open for the interviews than Bryce was. So <laughs> I'll interview Trevante. You can have Bryce. Uh, another defensive guy that Josh didn't mention was McCluster. He's a yeah. he's a well, lead he's FSU. My, yeah, he's, he's on my commit watch too. Jamarquis Johnson, who was actually here yesterday, told me yesterday that he may return again on Saturday. Is I feel he like on he's on watch, Chris. I mean, I'm surprised he's not committed. He told me he's not yet ready. Um, when I talked to him yesterday, like he didn't know a specific timeline, but mm-hmm. and he he's there, he's Hampsa for them. Like they view him as that kind of player. That's what he was there watching practice yesterday. He was specifically focusing on Star. He, that that is what he is for FSU. They've kind of circled him. I saw some people wondering if he's a take. I wholeheartedly believe he is still a take. I think the staff very much values him. Um, he just for whatever reason, it's FSU and Georgia Tech, and he hasn't been in a rush to pick. Uh, Eric Taylor, a really talented kid that came for an earlier junior day with his mother, real good Alabama state, state of Alabama prospect. Mm-hmm. He told me he's coming back. And then Elijah Roberts is a talented South Florida defensive end. He was up here for the first junior day FSU had for the cycle back in late January, early February. And now they're getting him back up here. So those, those are all pretty important 2020 guys. And then there's some 2021 talent that they're going to try to lay the uh, groundwork with. I'll let Josh kind of nitpick on that bunch we obviously talked about rucker and langston but there's a handful of others that i think are worth highlighting yeah i mean i you know the the one that stands out the most is ig hall um hall is an armwood prospect a player that has been on the rise got has a ton of offers um and a, a player that i think is 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 gonna be a top 10 player in the state next year maybe push for the number one wide receiver in the state next year. And that puts him on a level, you know, now you're talking about, he, he's, he's a bona fide national prospect. Um, Alabama's offered, Auburn's offered, Florida's offered, Miami's offered. He's going to have everybody uh, by the end of the spring, especially if he doesn't have them now. Um, the team to watch Clemson. Um, I know Anna Hickey had him on the Clemson visitor list early in the week, but you know, we have a lot of connections over at Armwood and we are pretty sure that Aji Hall is going to be at Florida state this weekend. Um, he camped it up. He's not a, he's not a stranger to FSU at all. He's, he's been around, he's got a relationship with Dugans. He's got a relationship with David Kelly and probably Woody by this point. So, um, I think FSU is in a good spot with him. I would compare his ability to that of Warren Thompson, except I honestly, I, I'm not, I, this isn't hyperbole. I think Hall is a better wide receiver today than Warren Thompson is today. And Hall just turned 16 years old. He's six foot three, almost 200 pounds. Um, he's a four, five, 40 guy. 
and he just goes up and gets him. And he, he, he's on a different level than a lot of the kids that I, that I saw at the Adidas national championship. And he's a 2021 prospect. I'm a big believer in kiss, which is keep it simple, stupid. And in the case of Hall, if Clemson really wants a state of Florida wide receiver that they've kind of, you know, earmarked and pinpointed as their dude, I think FSU should really want that guy too. Just, just speaking on recent track history and, uh, who Dion Kane, Artavis Scott, um, Ray, Ray Armstrong. Yeah. Those were playmakers. They, They identified those guys early on. Another 2021 kid that I'm interested to see if he shows is Demetrius Davis, uh, dual threat quarterback from the Houston, Texas area. He's a kid that, from what I, under, what I understand, uh, would fit what Browns likes to do pretty yeah. perfectly. And, and also the, the Khalil Kelly coming in from my yep. area, Tampa Jesuit. Um, he's a dual threat, 6'1", 200-pound athlete. couple offers so far, but um, a guy that FSU is probably going to want to get and keep around campus just to see how he develops. He's a 2021 prospect. Does he work with McPherson? I believe so. I think he's with that group, um, or at least has been playing some seven-on-seven with those guys down in uh, Bradenton. By McPherson, I'm talking about former FSU quarterback and basketball player Adrian McPherson. So great. for those that weren't sure of that reference. Yeah, he's been around now. He's he's had this like uh, little training group, seven on seven team for three, four years. And, and they're growing. They're growing. He's been bringing them up to Tallahassee too. Uh, Malachi Weidman's a part of that group. Yep. Yep. Another kid that plays two sports at a high level. So, Chris, before we wrap it up, I want to ask you, how important is this weekend for Florida State? And I ask this because, you know, a year ago, FSU had a huge spring game visitor list. They had a huge uh, recruiting weekend and coming out of the weekend, they were number one in the country. So how important is this? I think for FSU this year, everything boils down to the on-field product. And while you can show glimpses of that in a spring game setting, at the end of the day, it's just a glorified scrimmage. I think a lot of kids are taking a wait and see attitude. Even if FSU was to roll out of this thing with, you know, and this is purely just throwing a number out. Say they add five or six commitments, five in mm-hmm. 2020, one in 2021, class spikes are doing great. It's all awesome. None of it matters. If FSU rolls out against Boise and in the regular season, they're a poor offensive product and in general a poor team. None of that's going to matter. It truly, for this recruiting cycle, it would be good for FSU to kind of stockpile some kids and fight the battle. But at the end of the day, they're going to win or lose in recruiting by how they win or lose on the field. More than ever, I think it's important for FSU to show progress on the field as an offensive team. So I guess that's a really long answer to your question. This weekend is important because it's always important to get guys on the uh campus it's kind of your last hurrah before the summer months roll around and we know how much of a a cattle call that all is to try to get kids in so it is important in that regard i think they're doing a good job and i think they've done a very good job throughout the spring of getting guys on campus i think saturday they can put some exclamation points to what they've done over the last six weeks but at the end of the day we might put a lot of weight on it on Saturday and Sunday and Monday, but it's in five, six months, it's going to come down to what they're doing on the field on if it truly matters or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, FSU sits currently at number eight. Um, we're probably going to see a move up this weekend. Not everybody has a spring game, so not everybody will be getting some additions to their commitment class. I, I, I agree with you. I don't know if they get five or six. I think that would probably be um, best case scenario, but I definitely think they're going to add to their, uh, their commit list this weekend. 
Who, who um, do you have on that commit watch, Josh Newberg? My official commit watch, and it's good that we're going over this because the top name that I have on there is somebody I don't think we previewed, and that's Jaquavius Marks, the running back out of the Atlanta area. Um, Jaquavius was on campus, I want to say three weeks ago, um, his first visit to Tallahassee. They've been recruiting him pretty, pretty hard. He's a four-star back. Um, and, you know, word I got out of that visit was he really enjoyed it and was talking to some friends back at home, some family members about possibly committing to FSU. Um, in the short term. So he's definitely a name that I got after yeah. him. I'm sticking offense. I'm going Tate Johnson, uh, sticking offense again. I'm going Jaheim bell. And then I'm going to wrap it up. I got uh, five total names. Jion McCluster and Josh Griffiths would be my five. I don't disagree with any of those. Jermar Johnson's another guy who I think is worth keeping an eye on simply because, mm-hmm. you know, we're so far down the road that he's, he's seen these schools a lot. Um, you know, Hey, if you want to set the day off McKinley Jackson, have at it, but I don't see that happening. And, uh, yeah, I just want to see McKinley make it back to campus. I always get nervous yeah. with Mississippi kids coming in. You know, though, he, he's been fairly consistent at either getting here or when he's attempted to get here and he's missed at getting there at some point soon after. So to his credit, he's not been one of those guys that we consistently have been told, oh, he's coming and then he doesn't show and there's no follow up. It's either he shows or he shows soon after. So yeah. that is kind of to his credit. I agree uh, with your commit watch. I think Richie Leonard's an unnamed to throw on there. It would not shock me if he made the flip from Kentucky to FSU. Kaziah Holmes is another guy I would throw on there just because mm-hmm. of the family ties, and he's so talented. I, I think you can take him as an athlete and figure it out later to kind of not hurt your your goal of getting two to three running backs. You can take him. Maybe he's a running back. Maybe he's not, but you can take him either which way. And then uh, with Tate Johnson, I think it's kind of important for FSU to try to put a bow on that one because I think his recruitment during the spring eval period is going to skyrocket. But let's be honest, if he commits to Florida State and the Georgia offer comes, does it matter? Say the Georgia uh, offer comes in May. I don't know his father well. Um, from what I can glean and what I've been told, his dad loves him some Georgia. So I think that obviously would complicate the situation. Mm-hmm. But I also think Tate's the kind of kid that if he makes a decision, it's not entirely an emotional decision, that I there's agree. some personal investment in it. It would be tough for him to sway away from that. Not saying he wouldn't. I just don't think he's a kid that's going to change with the breeze. No, I agree. I agree. So I, I think that's a pretty good touch on uh, the visitor list. As Josh mentioned, we're probably going to see an addition or two, also probably a subtraction or two. Uh, myself, Josh, Zach, we're all going to be on it on Saturday. We're going to work our backsides off outside the Moore Athletic Center before, during, and after the spring game. Yeah, you guys can drop Chick-fil-A at any hour. We will take any Chick-fil-A donations all day, every day. You hear that, Carissa? Sinone's now looking at me as though he's cueing me to ask you all to please rate this outstanding podcast five stars. Not four, not three, not two, not one, but five stars. On iTunes. See, I don't usually do this. I'm not one of these people that sells my soul. I didn't say it was easy. I just said I didn't care. Newberg, you got anything else to? No, man, I'll be up in Tallahassee. Um, Spring game should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So I'll see you guys soon. All right. Like we mentioned, throw out some new names for the podcast. It can be called Sticking the Landing with Brendan Sinone, and he can just have (laughs) us on as guests. We can figure it all out at a later date. 
Thank you for listening. Drive safe if you're traveling to Tallahassee. Enjoy the game, and we will talk to you later.